Do your people think for themselves? Or do they look to you for all the answers? Do they solve their own problems? Or are they ignored until you force them to be faced? Today on the program, fellow shop owner Brian Jewett tells us how he assembled a shop full of thinkers and doers. It's driving change from ATI. I'm Jeff Berman. This podcast was created to improve our members' experience and further assist with their growth. My hope is that you will find the stories you hear from fellow shop owners relatable to where you are, where you were, or where you want to be, ultimately inspiring you to take that next necessary step. You'll be hearing how others fought the same fight and what they did to get through it and come out better on the other side. Tune in each week for another inspiring story to drive change in your shop. So I'm here today with Brian Jewett. And Brian's story started in, in 2000 when he was a janitor slash stock boy at a, an automotive shop that he'd worked for. And he stayed there for about five years and he really didn't progress all that much. And uh, after those five years, he realized, you know what, this isn't working for me. So he started working for a guy named Casey at Casey's Automotive. And um, yeah, came, came in as a C-Tech and you know, worked his way up to an A-Tech and eventually became the service writer and really managed that store for a few years. And at that point, also again, here he is, bored to death, not getting what he wants, <laughs> got stale, and uh, decided to go work somewhere else, right? Grass is greener. So in 2009, he left to work for another shop and uh, I don't know, stayed there until I guess it was about 2015, if I remember right. And during that period of time, uh, he, you know, he ran that shop, managed that shop as well. And Mr. Casey came back to him in 2015 and said, you know what, Brian, you were always a great employee. I always looked up to you. I'm ready to leave. Want to buy my store? And uh, Brian said, hell yeah. So 2015, he became a shop owner. So here I am today with Brian. Brian, welcome to the program. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Humbled? Humbled. I'm the one that's humbled. <laughs> Great to sit with you. So before I let Brian tell his story, let me just give you a little background about what he's going to talk about. So he's here today to share with us about what he quickly realized after he took over Casey's Automotive and what that realization led to and the changes that took place that ultimately took his business from a $1 million business that year to in that first year to a $2 million business, doubled it in year one. So I'm sure everyone's interested in hearing how he did that. So Brian, tell us how you did it. Well, you know, it was, it was the realization that uh, my best asset are the people that are working for me, the people that are running Casey's, the people that are there doing the hard work in the trenches. Um, and investing in those people has really turned around and, and uh, grown sales and grown the business. And uh, you know, we've gone from four employees uh, to 12 all within a year. And uh, Wow. You know, it's it was a little bit of a roller coaster ride, but the, the realization that the the people are making the business, not the business license. 
So if I remember correctly, when we spoke before we actually started recording, you had shared with me that there was a lot about Casey's Automotive that that uh, the previous owner had done right, that you really looked up to and admired. But once you stepped into it, it wasn't all as perfect as you thought. So share with us a little bit about that. So, uh, you know, to be clear, I, I was in love with Casey's Automotive uh, from my first interview. And, um, you know, Bill Casey, a uh, great man, has become a great mentor, um, had a great philosophy uh, that, that the automotive industry um, is a service industry, not a sales industry, and that sales are a byproduct of great service. Um, so I was in love with that. Um, as owner, you know, the first six months, it was great. It was fun. Um, you know, didn't 16-hour days weren't really taking their toll yet, but I was giving orders and people were following, and I was the boss, and that was, that was fun. Um, but things didn't really start to change until we kind of inverted that model and um, you know there was a there's a, a YouTube video that I shared with you Jeff uh, David Marquet um, the nuclear sub commander um, and he talks about kind of the order of hierarchy and instead of giving orders and attracting followers um, you know giving control and creating leaders and I think that's really what we've done at Casey's so it was no longer the boss barks at everybody. Not to say that Mr. Casey did that, but it was probably more of a top-down type leadership model. It was definitely a, a top-down. And um, you turned it into a community leadership model. Yeah. As you said, turned it on its head. And you did that by empowering staff to think for themselves. Is that fair to say? That's, that's very fair. So, you know, as in, I imagine in any business, um, when you encounter a problem, um, you know, somebody on the top, you know, barks some new orders and, and things are either fixed or told how to be done the next time. Um, the, the way we do it at Casey's is that employee that experiences the problem creates a new process to repair said problem. Um, that process is kind of moved around the shop up the hierarchy and it's either checked off on it might be adjusted a little but once that is a good known process that employee then punches three holes in it and puts it in our process binder and that's pretty empowering they, they own that repair for the uh, for the daily process that's going on wow that that's fascinating so let me see if I got this right Something happens in the shop that doesn't go quite the way it's supposed to. So we sit down, we have a meeting, we discuss it. The person who was responsible or mostly responsible for that failure, if you will, or they were the part of that process that failed, they are now tasked with the responsibility of solving that problem. Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. What? I don't know how to even ask this question. What level of buy-in would you say comes from that? Um, at, at this point, I don't even, I, it's hard to measure as well. Um, the, the way I find out there are problems now is I get a, a, a sheet of a new process um, that has answers on it already. I don't have So any, they've already learned how to do this without your even, you're intervening at all. Yeah. You know, managers, um, they, they get to 
manage answers, not really problems. You know, everybody comes to the table with an answer, um, not a not a bucket of problems. Um, the level of buy-in is huge. I, you know, it used to be a shop where um, we hired a janitor, we hired an, an oil change guy, we hired a C and A to B. Now, you know, we we really hire. Uh, good people, and because of this level of buy-in, everybody really protects everything. My equipment is clean. My equipment is maintained. The shop is clean. It's not uncommon to look out there and see a guy cleaning somebody else's bay. Um, the level of buy-in and ownership to their own job is huge now. Would you say that they, I mean, this is, for the most part, I'm sure there's some people you lost in this transition, but... yeah. For the most part, the key players are still there from when Mr. Casey owned the place. Is that correct or no? Um, no so the, a few of them were invited to uh, join the new party. And, um, you know, there were a couple key players that I knew that were quality individuals. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't hire for um, Mr. A-Tech guy, um, the, the guy with the biggest toolbox. I, I hire um, based on personality. And, um, you know, so there was a few key players that I, I seeked out and brought in. Um, one of the interesting things happened uh, that some of the employees that were there through this kind of culture change came out of their shell. Uh, my senior technician is 62 years old, Boyd Walker, a uh, great man. Um, he, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, and maybe that's true. But uh, Boyd Walker has kind of come out of his shell, and he's not only a mentor to the younger guys, um, but he's a different technician. And this man, like I said, is 62. He turns 55 hours a week, um, and it's not uncommon for me to be telling him to go home at 6.30 at night. And what was he before when it was Casey's shop? Um, the, you know... The, his hours he turned weren't much different, so that didn't change, but turning the same amount of hours, but him spending time developing the younger guys, helping the younger guys. So he's more of a mentor. He's he more before, of a mentor. Before he was more, you know, kind of a, mm -hmm. I don't know selfish is the way it were, but he kept to himself. Yeah, he kept to himself. Um, it was a, Casey's was a place you came to work. Uh, it wasn't a bad place to work, but it was a place you came to work to earn a paycheck, and then you went home. Um, it's a much different environment now. It's a more team-involved environment. Um, we specific, we have a specific shop foreman now who holds classes on systems and processes for the shop. Um, if we have a problem with our courtesy check, it's brought to him. Um, he then kind of goes through a, a developmental phase with the technicians around him and, and a new process is made to build a better courtesy check. Um, and we'll do that class uh, every other Tuesday. Um, Mike Zentmeyer, he's a great technician, turns over 60 hours a week, but he finds time to teach the shop. Mm -hmm. you know, he's a true shop foreman. I've never worked at a shop like that, but... Um, these things weren't happening two years ago. These things weren't happening. They, they never happened around me. Um, they happen naturally as this kind of culture shift happened at Casey's. 
So when you say culture shift, you know, can you think back to the very beginning and what some of the things maybe you did to start inspiring this type of thought process as opposed to let's come to work, fix cars, and go home? So one of the turning points for Casey's Automotive was um, Smith Impact. A friend of mine, Pete Smith, um, who does coaching for teams, helps individuals grow, helps teams grow, came in and, and really helped us identify who we wanted to be known for as a, as a group, as a shop, who we wanted to be known for individually. Um, and, and by doing that, you know, some barriers were broken down between the guys, some barriers are broken down between maybe a personal level and a professional level. Um, that was a big changing point in the shop and kind of the, the culture, um, the impact that, that Pete made. Um, were there some commonalities that came out of this and, you know, the group was like, you know what, this is what we should be all about and th these are the things that matter and and as a result they all kind of came away with a little bit, I don't know what better is the right word, but a different understanding so, of what it's all about. One of the things, one of the things that Pete helped us identify is what we want to be known as and I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, now he talks about a sales team that while he was coaching them, they wanted to be known as the sales team that never let a day go by without a sale. And what that meant to that sales team was, is it doesn't matter if it's you know, five o'clock in the afternoon, six o'clock, midnight. That's what they're known for and they're gonna get it done. My team, I don't ask them to stay late. I don't ask them to come in on weekends. But one of the things they developed on their own was they wanted to be known as the group of guys that could make a repair and confidently park it out front um, and give a wonderful finished product to the customer. Um, and if it took all day, if it took uh, multiple technicians looking at it, if it took a team, you know, they got it done. You know, That kind of paradigm shift of coming in individually and just doing your job and then going home um, changed with that. You know, it sounds like, and maybe I'm off base here, but you tell me, I'm just listening. It sounds to me like what you really did here with uh, this gentleman coming in and having this conversation in the beginning was you gave them purpose. I mean, is that fair to say or, yeah. or no? They have, a, they have a huge amount of purpose. It's, you know... I, I knew I wanted these guys to work for my vision, not the money. Okay, I wanted that to be secondary. Um, and, and they certainly have a purpose now. They have a drive and something they own. Okay? Mm -hmm. None of my customers come to the front counter asking to do business with me because we have a business license. They come because they know my team is going to take care of them, from the service advisors to the mechanic to the shuttle driver. That's why people come and I, I don't own that. My guys own that, my team owns that. You know, it's funny, this kind of goes full circle for me. Um, listen, I'm remembering what we said earlier about how you know when there's a problem, they own it and they fix it themselves. You know, it almost sounds like that they're doing that not really for them, but it's for everyone. Because when one person fails, they all fail. Yeah. And they buy that. Is that fair? Absolutely. 
So if I do something that, that creates a subpar experience for a customer or for the repair, or whatever the case may be, then I'm letting the whole team down. Well, that's no good. And that, that's important to me because everyone in the store feels that same way. Is that yeah, true? That is very true. That is powerful stuff. Really powerful yeah. stuff. So this this team that you know we've kind of reinvest in and, and grow, you know, they they are our advertising avenue as well. They they put a product out front that is a great finished product and they promote um, through good service our customers telling their friends and family and you know giving us good reviews. Um, you know, business has grown, but so has our our reviews. And the percentage of good reviews has grown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, average repair orders up. Um, like, like you said, sales are up, but um, the wheels aren't falling off. We're 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 making gains, really, in all areas, and it's uh, it's because of this team. You told me a story about an employee that wanted to leave. Tell us a little bit about that. I think that'll be interesting for everyone to hear. Yeah. Um, so Eric, Eric Sauer, um, he is one of my great employees. Um, Eric used to work for us um, when I was a manager and Bill Casey owned the shop. Um, Eric worked as a general service guy, joined the Marines, um, did four years in the Marines and came back, um, took a job um, doing bedliners. We swung into Casey's to get a quick inspection, and of course I wanted to catch up with him and chat, and he was telling me that he, he wasn't really adjusting well after coming back to the States, and um, he was having a, kind of a hard time finding a good job and really wasn't sure where he was headed. Um, so I said, well, you know, why don't you give a shot at writing service with us here at Casey's? I mean, this is a, he's a good-looking young man. He's clean-shaven face. Uh, Good haircut. He looks in the eyes and shakes your hand. Um, it's it's somebody that I specifically. But you liked women. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Eric Sauer is he's a he's a beautiful man. We'll just put him that way. How's that? Um, <laughs> so he uh, he takes right up to it, and he he's really good at it. And our customers love him. Um, he's a natural at 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 writing service. Um, and he's just somebody that you'd want to work with. Um, he's, lo and behold, with those great employees, sometimes they're they're uh, sought after by competitors. And, and he was. He came to me and told me he had an offer to work at another shop. And I asked him about that. And he said, well, I, I didn't really find out what the offer was. Um, for me, that was unacceptable. So we, we sat down and I told him he needs to call this guy back and find out what he's being offered and, you know, make sure it's, you know, it's, it's not a deal he can't pass up. And I helped him kind of develop a little plan to ask some questions. And really, I guess I, I helped him make a plan to leverage that interview back with me. Um, well, I followed up about a month later and he made a call to the guy and admitted to me that a few seconds into the call, he realized he, he didn't want to change jobs and he ended the phone call. Uh, for, for me, that was... It was huge. It meant a lot to me that he did that. Um, but it's my responsibility to make sure my people are, are growing and and they're looking to grow in all directions they can. So let me get this straight. You had a key employee 
who'd been with you, what, six months at that time? Yep, six months at that time. Six months at that time, who was of value to the company for sure. Yep. And got a better job, or a job offer, we didn't know if it was a better job offer, a job offer somewhere else. And he didn't want to take it, and you pushed him to explore it? Yeah. Did I hear that right? Yeah. I, I, what are we really doing as, as leaders if we're not helping the, the people that are working with us to, to grow as well? You know, I'm sure there's people listening here right now that are thinking, you lost your mind. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is, I got to say, that is really, really impressive that you put his well-being ahead of your company's well-being. And I, I'd be willing to bet that that's the whole reason he didn't want to go in the first place is because, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I've said this before, you've heard me say this, but you know, you can't miss what you haven't experienced. And it's very, very likely he's had some, let's say, less than par experiences at other positions. And he doesn't think he'll ever get something like this again. You know, what would, why would he take this job? You kidding me? He works for Brian. You the man, <laughs> right? Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, I think you sell yourself short. You know, I, I think it's pretty impressive. I, I can't, I can't think of one other person that I can think of that would do something like that. Would they be more afraid that you end up finding something better and losing them, as opposed to, you know, really showing this person how much you really care about their future? That's incredible. You know, and I wonder. Wonder if that isn't a lesson that maybe you learned from Bill, maybe even just subconsciously. I'm starting to come back to me a little bit. You know, you worked for Bill for what five years, and then he comes back to you and says, "You know what? You were always my guy. It's time." You know, I wonder what message that sent to you, and what lessons you maybe even learned from that. Don't even realize it. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, Bill has been a great mentor to me. Um, he was a very intuitive man. There was, there's, there's probably still lessons that are going to surface in the future, though. I so, bet. Well, I came from somewhere. Yeah. So. Well, we, we're all, we all have people that, you know, we look up to that are mentors in our lives. And, you know, what, does he ever come around anymore? You ever see him? Yeah. Bill shows up. He's, uh, he'll pop in every couple of weeks. Um, you know, he, he makes popcorn in our, our fresh little popping machine in the waiting room and pokes around and, you know, he'll, uh, I don't quite get the high five that I'm looking for to to say for him to say wow you're, you're not recognition dependent are you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah slap me on the on the back and i'll, I'll charge any hill if you, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. point me in the direction but uh um he uh you know casey's automotive was his baby for 20 years and i think that uh um, he knew what he was doing when when he was teaching me to to run it and he certainly i believe knew what he was doing when um, he asked me to explore the option of purchasing it from him you know, it's kind of like a relay race, you know? you know? The first person starts that relay race, they run around that track, and there's someone waiting for that baton to come their way, and they take the baton, and it's now their turn to run around the track, you know? You know he, he took that business to a, a strong place. He did. But you took the baton, and you took it to an even stronger place. Uh, he's got to be proud of that. I hope so. He's I got like to be. think he is. Well, we're gonna we're gonna say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm certainly proud of, of my employees and the place that it's become, and uh, you know. Really so, what is your job these days? What do you do around there now? So, um, it hasn't come full circle. I'm I'm not back to janitorial status yet. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'll I'll do uh, shuttles. Is my new favorite thing. Um, 
get to learn a lot about customers through shuttling. Um, you know, I do um, a lot of auditing on, on kind of the systems and processes that we're building and, um, you know, there's, there's popcorn to be eaten in the waiting room. Oh, yeah. Well, I can see that in your girth. <laughs> I'm no one to talk. I got quite a girth myself. So, so let me ask you, you said something about being a shuttle driver. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, do you, do you go into this as the owner or are you maybe incognito? You know, I'll go in as the owner. Um, most of our customers that, that come in do know me as the owner. Um, and uh, you, you certainly do get to learn a lot from someone by sitting in a car and driving them home. Um, you know, you, you, you can sit there in silence, but um, to make an impact and, and to really learn your customers is to ask questions and they'll tell you things that you, you maybe need to use some intuition. Um, mm -hmm. Bill was great at doing that. He, uh, he, he, sh he shared something with me early on. Um, customer comes in um, driving a, a, a Civic a um, little pink sticker on the back, but customer is a, a man in his uh, early 50s and he's wearing a nice suit and Bill says, uh, you know, what do you think his pain is? And I, I'm not really understanding the question and Bill says, that man's here for a reason. And I said, well, I think he's here to buy stuff. And Bill says, no, <laughs> think about it. It's late August. Uh, why is that man here? Well, the, the lesson to be learned there was his pain um, the, the backstory that I hadn't gotten to yet was that's his daughter's car, hence the pink, st pink sticker on the window. Um, and she's getting ready to go back to college, and his pain is he wants to know she's safe. And I'll tell you, if you, if you spend some time getting to know your customers, it's a powerful thing. You can, you can really make some great re relationships by, mm -hmm. by learning people's pain, by spending time and chatting with them. And the shuttle driver position is, that's key. It's an important spot. It is. Yeah. They gave me a fancy hat. <laughs> and you, uh, again, I'm speculating here. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming the important information that's coming out of this is being transferred over to your staff. Yeah. You know, they're hearing that. Uh, maybe you're hearing some attaboys about something well done. We're talking about that. Maybe you're hearing some challenge that maybe to the customer maybe was not a big deal, but in your mind you're going, oh, my God, we got to work on that. So that's going back to so All these things are happening, I assume, you're relaying as much of that information as you possibly can back to the staff in meetings and notes and files and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Is that true? Every customer has a file. Notes will go under their file specifically. Um, you know, understanding your customer and relaying that information to uh, your advisors, your manager, the technician. Um, you know, a customer might tell you that they're going to get rid of the car very soon. That uh, they don't need it anymore. Their last kid's out of college and they don't want the minivan. That's important mm -hmm. information. Um, and to not relay that to your uh, management team is, it could be detrimental in, mm -hmm. in some situations. Yeah, it's, it's funny, the, the last podcast that uh, aired was uh, oh, the number five and uh, my friend Ryan Coonley was on that one. And you know, my takeaway at the end of that was how he pays attention to those details. And you know you're you're touching on that again. We're talking about how important those little details are, and uh, I'm bringing that up again because not that I want to be repetitious, but we need to be repetitious. I'm I'm hoping everyone gets that message again. Yeah. It's a great point. Yeah, absolutely a great point. So you also mentioned ticket audits yeah. and um, 
you know, as your role now as the, we'll, we'll call it the almost graduated to janitor <laughs> position again. Um, uh, how important is that? I mean, what, what is that all about? So, so the ticket audit's very important. Um, it's, it's actually audited twice. So at the end of the day, uh, our store manager goes through all the tickets, um, you know, checks off on the deposit, checks off on uh, notes being made, um, checks off on customers that need to be followed up. Um, and then that makes it to a, a, a pile on my desk. I'm a pile guy. Everything gets to a pile and I just work through it. But uh, the second audit goes through me and, and I'll look through basically everything, um, you know, percentages and, you know, I look to where the customer came from so we know if we can send a, a new customer follow-up. Um, but having that check and balance, having that system in, in place really holds my team accountable. Um, really make sure that we're doing the right thing. You know, and what I think is maybe even more powerful with that is that you're not holding them accountable to your rules. You're holding them accountable to their rules yeah. because they came up with stuff to begin with. Is that yeah. true? Absolutely. And I think that's where that synergy comes from and that, you know, I'm letting the team down scenario that we talked about earlier really comes from. It's quite impressive. It really is. Thank you. You demand. <laughs> I tell everybody that, but you are. <laughs> but today I'm the man. <laughs> so here we are. We're, we're coming up to the end. Is there any maybe uh, words of wisdom you want to leave everybody with? Some point you want to make? Words of wisdom. Um, you know, for me, in my experience, um, again, the, the growth that we experienced, I can, I can really only attribute um, to my, my team. To, to Boyd Walker, to Mike Zenmeyer, to Ryan Abbott, Eric Sauer, um, you, you know, the, these guys that come in on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I've tried to invest everything I can, can in them, and uh, they're giving me back something they can never get back, and that's their time. So um, it's the least I can do, but I've gotten back tenfold of what I've invested in them, and it's been my experience that investing in my best asset has grown my business. You know, before we say goodbye, I gotta say one more thing. Not that I want the last word, I don't, but I, I gotta say this. Um, you know, we talked about your culture a little bit and you know, they can't see you, I can. And I can see how what you say you absolutely mean. And I, I believe they can hear that what you say you absolutely mean. And that has got to be the reason these people don't wanna leave you. You, you do deeply care about your employees, and it really, really does show. That's really admirable, and I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Great job with that. Thank you. Yeah, I, I want to work for you, and I love my job. We'll <laughs> run a dual shuttling service. <laughs> so that said, we're out of time. Uh, Brian, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, maybe we'll get lucky enough to have you on again sometime. It, it was an honor, and I'd love it. Okay, everyone, sharpen your pencils. It's time for reflection. After the first six months as a shop owner, Brian identified the need for a paradigm shift from giving orders and attracting followers to giving control and creating leaders. He began to empower his staff to think for themselves. As an example, the employee that experiences the problem in his shop is now responsible for the solution 
and makes the change in the current process. This process began to take on a life of its own. Problems are now solved by the staff even before Brian knows the problem exists at all. Staff started to come out of their shell and found talents they didn't even know they had because they believed in the team and didn't want to let any part of the team down. We all start to own each other's failures as if they were ours. So Brian asked them what they want to be known for as a shop. What do they want to be known for individually? And as a group, they decided they wanted to be a group of guys that would be proud of the job they did. This then became the mantra for the shop. What a lesson we learned from Brian's story of an employee that he had forced to investigate an offer from a competitor only to hear that he has no interest in working anywhere else. It was Sir Richard Branson that once said, train people well enough so they can leave. Treat them well enough so they don't want to. As parents, we all want our children to do better than us. Shouldn't we want the same for our staff? You know, it's true, I've said it before, but you can't miss what you haven't experienced. It's up to us to make sure that everyone that we work, that work for us and everyone that is a customer of ours always experiences the best. Has the baton been passed to you? And are you running your race? What can we learn as the shuttle driver? How much of that info has been brought back and shared with the staff? Attaboys and growing opportunities. What is your customer's pain? Brian told us a story of a dad and his college-bound daughter and identifying the pain in that scenario and giving that customer what they really need. Really listen to your customers. There's a lot you can learn if you're truly actively listening. Things like, I don't need the minivan anymore. Ticket audits are a must to hold people accountable to whatever it is you expect. And if you inspect what you expect, and these expectations were things that they created on their own, it'll be even better. I know you deeply care about your staff as much as Brian does. Make it a priority to show it. Let them see how much you care beyond the basics. Start going out of your way to show it, and you'll get more from your team than you ever have before. I want to leave you today with something Brian's dad taught him when he was a young boy. He said, son, I don't care what you decide to do with your life. If you want to scrub toilets, be the best damn toilet scrubber there is. I wonder how much better our shops would be if everyone we employed understood that very simple concept. You have been listening to Driving Change from ATI. If you liked what you've heard today and feel you have something compelling to share with your fellow shop owners, we're waiting to hear from you. You can contact me, Jeff Berman, by emailing podcast at autotraining.net. Let me know what it is you can't wait to share and how I can reach you. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you're notified when the next podcast is available. If you're unfamiliar with ATI and you want to learn more, you can check us out online at autotraining.net. 
Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.